Good morning, everyone. My name is Renee. I'm a compulsive overeater and sugarholic. Grateful to be here, and thank you so much for inviting me. <clears throat> I would like to start um, from the Voices of Recovery Reflections reading for today. It says, when we keep OA's eighth tradition, we discover a beautiful spirit of caring service, which becomes a powerful factor in our healing. The recovering growth I've received from doing service astounds me. By sponsoring, I learned how to be in a relationship. By leading workshops, I learned how to be a facilitator. By chairing a committee, I learned how to work as a team and be able to transfer those skills and that knowledge to my family. I've learned how to listen and how to compromise for the good of OA as a whole. So I learned how to listen and compromise for the good of my family or my relationships. I learned I don't have to do it all. I learned that group conscious works in my situations, including work at home. I learned how to speak in front of a group of people and have made that my professional career. I learned that I'm intelligent and capable and I learned who I really am and who I'm becoming. All of this for the small price of some time and energy. The rewards have been immeasurable. And I'm Renee, I'm so grateful to be here. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, when I first tried to come into OA, it was in 2011. And I really was struggling and my health was, it's bad health. And as I started to work with the sponsor, this thing about honesty and talking about your food, <laughs> and I was sort of with it and sort of not, and I wasn't being honest. And so anyway, as we started delving into the first three steps, I got terrified and I left. And that was in 2011. And this year I was really desperate and I came back into the fellowship in... April and I was really struggling with my health and I thought this thing with honesty this thing with fellowships I don't know if I can but I was really desperate and so I did and I found a couple of really good meetings online and I'm grateful my sponsor is part of this meetings and so anyhow I started doing the steps and for the first time ever I got honest about my addiction with food and it's pretty terrifying because it's goes back way back when. <laughs> anyway, um, I was talking to my sponsor about my first issue. Um, when I was four years old, I remember I ran away with a loaf of bread. And I do remember my mom following me. And I have that memory, but I don't have the answers. Uh, my family kind of dismisses it and says, oh, well, you were just being four years old and that's just what four-year-old run. They do, they run away. But anyhow, uh, my family has a lot of addictions, <clears throat> so there are answers I won't find <laughs> yet because some are very, some are still in the addiction. But what I do know is that I turned to food to be my safety and my security and to run away as a four-year-old. Now that I came into the rooms this year, I now realize that there aren't answers I'm going to find, but I do have acceptance and I have the fellowship and I have the help to address this. And now, um, this was my first Thanksgiving in abstinence. I wanted to share this part with it, with you all. Um, I had some family over, and I was a little bit uneasy about having my sister over to my house, the kitchen. I'm abstinent, and she was traveling from out of state with her son, and I have my daughter. And she, she wanted to make sure I was okay, because I've been doing so well. And she said, is this going to be a problem? I said, it's not a problem for me because I have my food plan, but, you know, you're welcome to use the kitchen and, you know, we can have Thanksgiving together. And you know what? When I laid everything out in an honest, open way, 
everything turned out okay. Everyone did their own thing. They made their own dishes that they wanted to. Everyone was real respectful about my food plan. I mean, there wasn't discussion about it. We just did. And I just didn't know you could do stuff like that. <laughs> and first of all, my house in a kitchen, um, when I opened myself and I was vulnerable and let people do what they needed to do. And I wasn't in charge. I wasn't in charge of the kitchen. I was here to help, but we all had our own um, dishes or whatever people wanted to eat. And everyone was super respectful. <clears throat> and so um, it turned out everything was really easy. And I was talking to my sponsor the next day, like, you know, I think it's about me. <laughs> this whole thing about controlling and food, you know, it's kind of like an aha moment. I think it's always been about me when I let go of control and let others and not me being the one in charge and controlling and trying to make sure <clears throat> everyone's doing what I think they should be doing with food. Um, when I surrendered and let that control go, it's surprising not everyone get to be got to be themselves. Um, I just didn't know everything was so linked to my obsession, addiction with food, where that I imposed myself onto others with my ideas and my will. And in in recovery, I have surrendered that, and I do surrender that every morning. When I get up in the morning and I go into the kitchen, I light my candle, I light some sage, and I do my third step prayer. Because it just seems like, I mean, there's this one scene I was telling my sponsor, it seems like I've just been in a really bad mood the last 35 years. <laughs> but I don't know if it's... Um, you know, part of my past, but when I wake up and I do the intentional thing of lighting my candle and some sage and surrendering, doing the third step prayer in the kitchen, I relieve myself of that bondage and those negative thoughts, or if you will, those negative emotions. And I ask for help from my higher power. I ask for help and guidance from my higher power because on my own, I know where that leads me and I know the results. So every morning I surrender to my higher power. I surrender to, you know, my willingness and prayer and meditation. And I ask for guidance because something about my addiction, it just goes haywire. And I don't need to keep um, finding out <laughs> or experimenting. I just start with that question. I get up. I let my candle, I do my third step prayer, I ask for guidance, and I'm doing this in the kitchen. And in the morning when, before I go to work and I make my daughter our breakfast and lunch, before all of that, I surrender. I let my prayer, I do my sage, and I ask for guidance. And I breathe. It seems like sometimes I hold my breath a lot in the kitchen. <laughs> and I breathe, and I ask for guidance. And I just let my mind meditate. And there's a calmness that comes over me. And with that, I know that I can continue. And just to have that stillness of mind, I know somehow, someway, everything's going to be okay. But I've surrendered my, my will and my ideas about the kitchen over to my higher power. And then I move forward. And that's what recovery has given me. It's given me the knowledge that I can't do this alone. It's given me... Um, the idea that I get these pearls of wisdom by going to meetings, the fellowship, my sponsor, my idea is not so great, but when I ask for help, that is a good idea. And when I stay in recovery, it is so great. 
because I'm a different person. I, tell you. I used to always think I was a really nice person as long as I was in control. <laughs> to my surprise, not to anyone else who's close to me. That's just not the truth. And when I let people be who they want to be and not trying to control them, um, not giving my opinion, which has gotten so much easier now in abstinence. <clears throat> um, it's pretty cool to see that. And it's it's just like all this time, things can be so much easier, but I do know the alternatives. And I do know that that Renee's always around the corner. Um, and that's what this program has taught me. I don't have to accept that as long as I do the simple things in the morning. I pray and meditate. I do that sometimes in the afternoon and at night before I go to bed. And I do have a meeting I go to also in the evening. I look forward to that meeting. Um, it's a Zoom OA meeting. And it just helps me know that, you know, sometimes when I'm spinning because of work or whatever, I have my OA meeting. I don't ever have to think about, you know, reverting back to, oh my gosh, it's so stressful. No, I have a meeting. I can also do prayer and meditation. I can always pick up the phone as well and call my sponsor. And it just seems like everything is so much easier. When I relieved myself of the bondage of my addiction to food, it just seems like the fellowship and my higher power, it just seems things are just so much easier. Um, but I, I just do a little bit of work and it's not that much. And the freedom of abstinence, um, the, it's just like the gifts keep coming. And I'm just always surprised. And I keep telling my daughter, I just didn't know life could be so much easier. Um, but, you know, with the holidays and my emotions, um, I do have family and addiction. And sometimes I have my, when I get on the phone, uh, I make sure I remind myself to say a prayer, especially when I'm talking to very close family members who don't understand <clears throat> this addiction. Um, and I talk my Oh, thank you. And I do talk to my mother. Um, sometimes she can be quite a trigger. And I call her and I tell her I love her, um, but she can be a trigger. <laughs> and I listen. I don't talk. And I remember sometimes she'll say, you know, God, Renee, you don't talk the same anymore. And, you know, it's so true. I don't because I don't give people my opinions. I don't tell them how they should be. Uh, it's almost like I could be the person I always wanted to be, but I didn't know how. Um, I think in my addiction with food, everything is always about control and telling people who to be, how to be, what should be. Um, that one word that my sponsor says should is a very dangerous word, which I've learned in recovery it is. But I used to use that word all the time. Um, and I let people be. And I'm just that ear that I get from you people in the fellowship and the sponsorship. I think it's the person I always wanted to be, but I just didn't know how. But if I don't stay in abstinence, um, and I, I do know what I do know who that person is. And that person's just lurking, I guess, if you will, um, in in that food. And it's so interesting because the healthier I get now, um, the more I keep getting a connection with my higher power. I mean, I was very unhealthy last year. And now that I went to my doctor, my doctor's trying to argue with me that I'm not. <laughs> and it's me not accepting that I am getting healthier. My lungs are healthier um, because of my weight. I had a lot of breathing problems. 
And so now my doctor is like, I, I don't think you need all this. And I'm like, but I still have this idea that the heavier Renee who has a hard time, sorry, with my health and breathing <clears throat> still is in my mind, but clearly not as much in my body. Um, and so I'm working on that now, um, letting go of those old ideas. And I really am enjoying this. Um, I'm a much older person with a younger daughter and I want to be around for her. Um, and now I've been, jo I've joined a hiking group, which has been a really cool experience. And we go hiking on Sundays. Uh, and this whole thing of ab abstinence has given me a different person, which is kind of a weird thing to say, you know, a healthier person that I always wanted to be, but didn't know how. And now today I know I cannot do this alone. I do have to keep reaching out for help morning, afternoon, and night. I look forward to my meetings. I look forward to sponsoring women and helping others the way they've helped me. And working on my 12th step has given me an appreciation for a different wholeness of who I could be and always wanted to be, but didn't know how. And by stepping away from my ideas of control and issues with the kitchen and teaching myself breathing techniques <laughs> um, and letting others be who they want to be. It's not about me and my um, ideas. And I used to think I was the best like connoisseur of every meal, whether it's fast food or whatever. And that's just not the truth. What I've learned in recovery is those are the lies of my addiction. And every morning when I get up and I surrender in the kitchen and ask a higher power to help, my higher power does. But I can't do this alone. And so that's why I do it in the morning, a little prayer in the afternoon, and then I look forward to my OA meetings in the evening. Um, and this is my, this is a, this is an area where I know that I do need help and help is always here, but I can't have it unless I help others the way you people have helped me. And as long as I stay in recovery, it's just so much easier to just be and breathe. And I can walk into any situation, even at work and with all the holidays and stuff. Before I'd walk in, we have a staff kitchen. I would breathe, do my third step prayer. And you know, nobody's, I always think people are gonna say, Renee, you should be eating. Renee, why don't you have, nobody says that's in my head that I think people want me to, you know, do all this stuff, but it's not. And as long as I stay in my own recovery in my mind, everything else is okay. And I didn't have any problems at all at work with any of the holiday celebrations. Um, and I just keep trusting my recovery. And even though I do have fear, like somewhere someone's gonna say, Renee, you should have this. Nobody does. No, oops. nobody does. And life is just much easier recovery. And I want to thank the fellowship. I want to thank my sponsors so much. I mean, people understand me the way I've never been understood. Even my daughter says, why don't you go? Go on to your meeting or call somebody when I start spinning. It usually has to do when I'm in the kitchen trying to think of something. If I have emotions or whatever, um, I still have old habits. And so I walk away from the kitchen and then I pick. Thank you. And then I pick up the phone and it's not that hard to pick up the phone nowadays and say, hi, I'm just having a little stress. And I think sometimes my emotions are linked to my food or linked to food and these old ideas. And even though I'm having some hard emotions with the holidays, this is my first 
<clears throat> year without a court order. My daughter's 18. Um, I have this idea like, oh, I want to make it so special. I just have to be and I and just breathe. And I don't have to put these false ideas of these pretenses like, oh, it's Christmas. And no, my daughter just wants me to be and I can be there for her. And so as long as I remind myself um, the fellowship to be grateful, um, how many gifts I keep getting, giving, getting from abstinence, it's just not that hard. Uh, my brain will want to revert back <laughs> and say, oh, you have no. And I just pause. I breathe. I ask my higher power in. Sometimes I'll step away and just, you know, look at the sky and get some strength. And it's my first Christmas being abstinent. And I'm really excited. I mean, Thanksgiving was wonderful. And my ideas of Christmas, I can let go. And I still surrender. And just let it be. And we'll just see how it goes. And I'll have a meeting. <laughs> and I'm doing service. Um, on Christmas. Um, and yeah, as long as I just remind myself recovery is just so much simpler when I step out of the way and surrender and call when I need help or text. Um, my sponsor is always available. Um, I can be somebody who can step back and let others be who they want to be. So I'm just so grateful. And I just look forward to the many more gifts that abstinence gives. I just didn't know things could be so much easier as long as I'm in recovery. And it's so grateful. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this fellowship and speak with you all. Um, I wish you all a wonderful day. And thank you so much. And with that, I will pass.